What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 in the Tigers Avenue. Hey, we got a special episode here. Super excited uh, to have some guys joining with us down in Baton Rouge, some students with LSU. They've become real popular here late around the LSU program, the Balcony Bengals. We got Brandon on the show with us from the Balcony Bengals. What's up, Brandon? What's going on, man? Just trying to recoup after the tough game like yesterday, but man, it's been a fun season. Yeah, it's been a it's been a little tough here of lately. Not not too bad, but it, we 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 still have faith in our Tigers to put it together and keep rolling. Uh, Brandon, just a few questions here off the top. We want to do a little bit of a Q and A with you and and get to know the Balcony Bengals a little bit. Get y'all's perspective since y'all are students. You're there on campus. You're you're hearing things from other students. You're right there in the environment. Um, but number one, we want to know, you know, what what came of the Balcony Bengals? You know, what was the idea behind it? Was there some funny story? Was, well, you know, to electrify somewhat of the student atmosphere behind LSU sports and specifically right now, LSU basketball? Yeah, man. So it's kind of always been our vision as a group, not necessarily as a group individually and as a group, you know, where we always have wanted to see Tiger Stadium, the PMAC, Alex Box, uh, the gym meets at the PMAC, you know, softball games, whatever it may be. You know, we've always wanted to see an improvement in fan culture in all those at all those events. Um, and to tell you the truth, the Balcony Bengals started uh, sometime in September, late September. Um, I forget exactly which football game it was. One of the first home games. You know, we have an apartment right here on the South Gates of campus. Most people in Baton Rouge have probably seen the sign off of Highland Road. Um, and we started out here just tailgating, um, and, you know, cause it's about as close as you can get to the stadium. It's air conditioned, you know, uh, we cook, drink, whatever. And then, you know, we've got the balcony right here on Highland road. And, you know, one day, uh, we're tailgating for, I believe it was the McNeese game. I believe it's the first home game. Um, and, you know, I look up and there's four or five, six guys in the balcony. I'm like, man, what's going on over there? Um, and so next thing you know, I'm on the balcony and then, uh, one thing leads to another, you know, we've got music, we're drinking, having a good time, cooking on the balcony, people are driving by, we're yelling, go Tigers, and then kind of caught on from there. And then, you know, next week we're like, we should have a name or something, you know, like people should, people know us, they see us, we should have a name. Um, and then so one of our buddies, Gant, in the Balcony Bengals came up with the Balcony Bengals. He was a funny story, he actually thought it was kind of dumb awesome. at first. And I was like, no, man, that's awesome. Um, and so that's kind of where we started, you know, week after week, you know, I had my girlfriend spray paint a sign um that we put up there original sign was a folded sheet with the the spray painted balcony bingles and all the text that you see like the sign above me the sign the on the sweatshirt that's the original spray painted logo um and you know we knew that lsu basketball was gonna have a pretty talented team um and so when football was having a rough a rough go you know we were definitely looking forward to basketball um and you know we we're like well screw it you know let's take it to basketball um and you know so we ended up at the PMAC going to basketball games and, you know, we never intended it for it to be what it is now. Um, but, you know, LSU basketball is very proactive in their outreach to students and fans. They want to change the culture. And I think they kind of viewed us as a group that they could reach out to. Um, and our biggest thing, you know, is we want all students, all fans to be able to come and interact with us. Um, we don't want anybody to think that, Oh, we're those dudes or, Oh, 
those are those guys, yada, yada, yada. We're not exclusive at all, regardless of what background you come from, um, what grade you're in, how old you are, whatever. We want people to come and join us um, in the same in the same goal of cheering on the Tigers and, you know, whatever stadium we're in, making it rowdy. So I'd say really when we became what we are now was probably November and basketball season. That's, you know, when the first couple of people started reaching out and it's just kind of exploded to what it is now. That's incredible. It's awesome. It's, awesome. it's really great. I mean, yeah, it's been crazy. It's a great vision, you know, for, for LSU sports. And man, to be honest, I feel like we're almost kind of entering in me and Zach have talked about this a little bit, like entering into this, like, like glory years of LSU sports where, it feels like there's some some new vibrance around some programs with with of course Brian Kelly coming in with the football program. You got Jay Johnson coming in uh, after the legend Paul Maneri retires. Some youthfulness, of course. You go and look at the women's basketball program. You, you probably just brought in the best college women's college basketball coach. You know, and one of the greatest of all time, and Kim Mulkey three-time national champion, and like it, it just feels like there's been a little bit of a climax and a build in the LSU athletics program. Not that it wasn't good before, but it feels like with Scott Woodward in, there's a clear vision, there's a clear focus on on making LSU athletics the best it can possibly be. And just to be honest with you, um, it felt like in years past, and it was obviously not to not to bash or anything, but our performance as a basketball team wasn't the greatest. And Will Wade come in has has changed the culture of LSU basketball, and it hasn't felt like the fans have quite got there yet. You know, it was it was building and it was growing, and and they were getting a little bit more. But this year, it feels like it, they've taken it to another level. And you're right about the the reaching out and whatnot. I've seen all the stuff from, from them posting about, Hey, students come out, you know, first 500 students get free t-shirt and, and free canes. You know, they're really trying to uh, get people to come get people involved. And you guys have, have like taken that, you know, by storm. And now they have like a centerpiece for the student section. Like, I know you said you're not exclusive or anything, but it gives it like a name. It gives it, you know, a face Mm -hmm. to say, you know, we want to come and support the Tigers and make it fun, make it an incredible environment. And I think y'all have done a great job with it. I mean, just the chaos that seems to ensue in the student section at the PMAC, it's been really cool to watch. Yeah. So um, I think Zach has a few questions for you as well. So I'll hand it over to him. Yeah, Brandon, hey, you mentioned uh... – Earlier, you mentioned, you know, wanting to bring some change about in the, with the students and in regards to the basketball team, the football team, the baseball team. Man, what what is some visions that you and the Balcony Bengals have and what I mean, the students have a voice, right? The students are a major part of the university, obviously. And so, so what are some things that the students, the Balcony Bengals uh, have thought about and some things they want to see change in, in, in the sports and the athletics program? for the better. Yeah. And I look, I think, first of all, um, I think students don't realize the impact that they really do have at events. Um, I feel like a lot of students, and I honestly probably was in this boat at one time too, felt as if, you know, well, I'll go to the games and I'll cheer, but I'm not really making a great difference by myself. But let me tell you that you don't have to be a part of any group at all to, to make a difference in the student section at any LSU athletic event. 
and just talking with the athletic department and stuff like that, they don't just support us. They support all students and they really do push that students make a difference. Um, and, you know, obviously a vision that I think a lot of people have um, in the near future and kind of what we're involved in now basketball um, is to move the students courtside at basketball games. Um, and my thing with all fans is, you know, they all think, oh, well, we're not Kansas. We're not Kentucky. We're not Duke. Okay, no, you're not. But what they don't understand is that that is not so hard to achieve for your arena to be something like that. Um, and yes, you do have to sacrifice a little bit of money for passion. I, I understand that. Those season ticket holders along the sides are paying a, a high dollar for that. Um, but, you know, going to Auburn, I think I've been to a lot of away games for football. I've been to some for basketball. But going to Auburn Arena um, for that matchup, with LSU and Auburn, that really opened all of our eyes as to what, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. For sure. Um, one of our buddies best described it as it was a tornado. Um, and, you know, people that, that's one of the best environments I've ever been in in all the sports, not just college basketball. Um, and so I think that's kind of, you know, obviously for the PMAC, you know, that's our near future vision. Um, Will Wade needs a new arena. He needs new facilities. Um, and the fan, the, the fan culture needs a change. I think that starts with the seating. Um, it's just frustrating from a student's perspective when, you know, a lot of students have been on their feet cheering, clapping for the majority of the game. Um, and it's a three minute, it's a three minute game and it's a tied game with a top 10 team in the country. Um, and the students look to their left and right and everybody's sitting down with a frown on their face and nobody's clapping. Um, and, you know, I've heard from a lot of fans that are general admission ticket holders that, um, you know, when they stand up and yell, they get asked to sit down or leave, you know, and that's kind of that kind of fan culture, man. It's just you go to Auburn. That doesn't happen. You know, uh, everybody's on their feet and everybody's yelling. And I think, you know, that's kind of what we're pushing for, for for all events. And we know, obviously, an 80 year old man is not going to want to stand and yell the whole time during the game. We understand that. <laughs> and we know at baseball games, you're not going to be standing and yelling for nine innings straight. That's not how that works. Um, but, you know. I just think that the fan culture in general could could use a, a little uplift. Um, and I think that starts with the students. Yeah, man, you mentioned, you, you know, we're not a Duke, we're not a Kentucky, we're not a, a North Carolina. But, like, those programs had to start somewhere, right, mm -hmm. to get to the point at where they are now. And, and you mentioned, you know, it might take losing a little bit of money. But if if you're losing that little money and you're generating a lot more of the environment, bringing in a lot more students, well, then that money is going to be made up, right? Yeah. And especially if your basketball team is succeeding, which we which we know Will Wade has been doing a fantastic job at doing it and, and, and building this program, um, you know, that money, it's going to come either way, right? And so I, I really, really appreciate y'all's vision and, and y'all's ideas for the students and, and, and the basketball team. I just think that, you know, people think that it's so far-fetched for LSU to have a top-tier basketball arena. But yeah. The fans at Auburn, everywhere I've been, I've been to Auburn, I've been to Texas I've been to Alabama, I've been to Ole Miss, uh, you know, every place I've been, the fans aren't the same as they are as LSU. There's not quite a place like LSU. The passion is not quite the same as it is at LSU. And LSU fans will support a winner, whether it's in swim and dive or basketball or football, whatever it may be. Um, and so to say that, oh, we'll never be Duke or Kentucky, your fan base is better than those than those schools. You know, if you just buy in, you'll be better than them than an Auburn crowd like that. You know, it's, it's really not so far fetched to think.
Yeah. I mean, there's gotta be, like you said, there's gotta be a buy-in. There's gotta be, you know, support behind it. There's gotta be a vision. A, uh, you gotta put it in motion. And that's what it feels like y'all have kind of done with the balcony Bengals is, is there is now a presence of students that are saying, Hey, we're here to support the Tigers and we're here to not only support them, you know, here at the games, but we want to support the program as a whole when it comes to, you know, facilities, when it comes to, you know, resources for players and, and all these types of things that, that go into a basketball program. You know, it, it feels like y'all are pushing towards that. And, and, and it's not just like a huge part of it, obviously, is the chaos that is the student section that y'all have created this year. But you know, there's there's more behind it than just that, and that's what I really like about what y'all have done um, this year. So, as, as the Balcony Bengals, y'all have grown. Obviously, y'all have become pretty rapidly popular. Um, I'm sure students are are now starting to recognize y'all. You you know, you're doing things like this. You know, where you're coming on our podcast and. I'm sure people have hit you up about this, that, and the other. You got merchandise. So as this has grown, my question is, you know, what is the coolest thing y'all have been able to do as a group since this has grown? What's the coolest, you know, place you've been to, thing you've done, person you've met because of the Balcony Bengals? Mm -hmm. Man, that is a really tough question. Uh, That's actually the first time I think I've been asked that. Um, I don't know. I'd say the coolest place we've been because of the Balcony Bengals is definitely Auburn. Um, you know, the Jordy Collada show sent us sent us to Auburn Arena and shot some content there and stuff like that. And that was definitely the coolest place I've been. And like I said, that opened my eyes to what a basketball arena could look like um, and kind of opened my eyes to, you know, like I said, that's the craziest sports environment I've ever been in. Um, and, I, you know, I went to Texas A&M for the seven overtime game back in 2018. I've been to crazy environments. And that just kind of opened my eyes. Um, the coolest person I've met, I don't know. I, it's still cool, you know, when you see Will Wade around and, you know, he knows you by your face and he'll come and talk to you. That's really, I mean, that's been cool for a while. And, I mean, we've met guys like Mikey Matug, Jordy Collada, um, Will Wade, and um, Todd Graves even uh, reached out to us about a sponsor. I'd say Todd Graves is probably one of the coolest um to be able to just shoot him a text about sponsorship and stuff like that that's pretty that's pretty wild but i mean it it's kind of hard to choose i guess as to who's been the craziest yeah i mean i'm, I'm kind of jealous just some of the people you listed off right there i mean i mean i i, I kind of started watching lsu baseball when when mikey Montuk was you know in the purple and gold and kind of a favorite player so i'm, I'm kind of coveting my neighbor a little bit here just listening to your response <laughs> there i'm kind of jealous uh, I am curious, you know, what is what is Will Wade like off of off of the court? You said you've just, you know, he, he sees you, mm-hmm. you know, he knows you by your face. You're able to talk to him. You know, he seems so detail oriented and, and, and so analytical when it comes to, you know, obviously in games and and press conferences and his breakdown of, of, you know, what has happened and what they need to do to get better. What is it like talking to him like face to face? Who is, mm-hmm. what is Will Wade like? Man, Will, that's a tough, again, that's a tough question. I think Will more than anything, um, like you said, he's very analytical. Um, he's very analytical in everything he does, not just basketball. Um, 
you know, when we went on vacation um, and missed the Tennessee game, he knew everything about where we went on vacation, when, where we went, when we went, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, dude, how did you, like, how do you have time in your day to figure that out? <laughs> you know, he'll go and talk to everybody he can um, just about, you know, daily life or whatever. Um, and, you know, before we went to Auburn, we were at, were at his radio show. He came and talked to us and just talking to him about, you know, he just told us his honest opinion of what's going to happen and stuff like that. And he, he's very down to earth. Um, and then when he gets to the basketball side, man, it's just, it's kind of cheesy to say, but it's very Nick Saban-esque, I guess. You know, when you're talking about, oh, well, I had a Christmas break or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, how was your Christmas with your family, coach? He goes, well, I don't really have a Christmas with my family. I was just doing basketball for most of the time. You know, he's very detail-oriented, like you said, and he's basketball, 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 24-7, and it's never good enough, you know. Yeah, I mean, I figured that's how he was. It just seems – it seems like he was that 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 he wasn't just putting on a coach's you know face, giving a coach's response. Yeah. It felt like that's that's him, like that's Will Wade, that's his personality. Is mm-hmm. is everything is you know by you know analytical detail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I, I got I love Will Wade to death. I mean, I I don't even know him, and I just love the way Me he too. approaches things. I mean, I mean it's just mm-hmm. there's times when you get you know, humorous Will Wade when he'll make a sly comment every now and then. And then you'll get analytical basketball Will Wade. And then you'll get like aggression, angry Will Wade. And like all of it will come together. And it, he's he's just a great character and I think a great leader for the basketball team. And I think I appreciate him, you know, more because it just felt like for so long we were we were kind of, mediocre when it came to basketball. So I appreciate, you know, him and I, I just enjoy watching his character. Yeah, Brandon. I mean, obviously we've, we've had the slide here recently and it's been tough as, as basketball fans, as LSU fans to watch. But as we already know, y'all are there on campus. Y'all, y'all are around Will Wade, y'all are around the players, you're around the students. So y'all have all those different, you know, opinions coming, flying in at you. Man, man, what what would be your message to the LSU fan base, right? Because uh, y'all have a lot more of an inside view into the program. What would be your message to the fan base as to what's going on right now with this basketball program and the slide that that's going mm-hmm. on right now? Obviously, we we we're cheering for them. We want them to uh, turn it around quickly and believe they will. But what would be your message to the fan base right now? Um, you know, more than anything. Um... I think, you know, it's hard to say relax um, because I, it would have been easy to just say relax after the first couple of losses. And so we understand now more than ever, you know, the the panic almost. Um, but I will say the people who think Will Wade has given up are, are flat out wrong. Um, and the people who necessarily think, oh, it's time to get rid of Will Wade, blah, blah, blah. He's just not the guy. He's a 38-year-old coach. How many coaches – Bruce Pearl is in his upper 60s, I believe. He might be 68. Um, he's he's up a there. 38-year-old young coach um, who's still learning every day. You know, he's not going to come out here and be Coach K on day one. He's still learning. Um, and, you know, obviously he's going to improve the team and they're working hard. And, yeah, that's just my biggest thing is people who think that that he's given up on the team, man, and the, the people who think that the team has given up. That's just wrong. Um, and, you know, he's going to right the ship. Will it be this week? I'm not sure, but trust me, while we're sitting here talking, he's doing something to, to get it right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my biggest message is don't just jump off the ship yet. 
when we get in March, it won't be where we want it to be, you know, 22 days ago when we were 15 and one. Uh, but everybody's starting with an O and O record. And, you know, if you're hundred percent healthy, then as you saw in the beginning of the season, you know, you're a different team. People say, Oh, well, you're just beating mid majors, blah, blah, blah. People don't forget. Uh, Kentucky is number one. T- uh, Auburn's the number one team in the country. Um, and I said that when we went there, that they're the best team in the country. Um, and then after that brutal loss where you just, I mean, you didn't give up in that game, but you got beat. Um, and then you come back home and beat Kentucky, beat Tennessee, who Kentucky's a top five team in the country now. You know, um, this team is not far from where they need to be. I agree. And I, I appreciate your take there because I think what fans need to do is they really need to take a more realistic approach. You know, the, the sky is not falling. Um, there are a lot of factors that are coming into this skid that the Tigers are on. Obviously, we know the injuries, uh, they play a huge role in that. Um, you know, there's also the X's and O's that, that's that's become an issue. And, and I mean, Will Wade knows that, right? It's not like Will Wade is oblivious to what is going on on the court. As we've already mentioned, he's he's very detail-oriented. And so, and as you mentioned, he's probably right now working on trying to fix that and 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 is obsessing over what can he do to help this team and get them back on track. So I, I appreciate that take, Brandon. Brandon, another the, probably one of the biggest things in all of college sports right now. I, I think I think by far in, in college sports, this is probably the biggest issue right now is NIL, um, name, image, likeness, players, you know, business putting into their team, you know, getting player these deal players these deals, all this stuff. Um, so y'all are there. Obviously, you're 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 probably hearing a little bit more than us. Um, for a while it felt like they were the the narrative around LSU was well, LSU was a little bit behind when it came to NIL. And and they that you know, maybe everybody wasn't quite bought in. The businesses of Baton Rouge, the businesses of Louisiana weren't, weren't quite bought into NIL or maybe didn't understand it fully, this, that, and the other. Um, I'm genuinely curious. You know, I, I don't know if y'all have any role in NIL at all or or if y'all have been contacted about anything. Obviously, I know you're not players, but like, you know, some kind of business thing. I'm sure y'all are in contact with, you know, obviously like Jordy Collada and people like that. You know, you're hearing things. Y'all, y'all may have some kind of thing with with LSU later on down the road. I don't know. But what is what is it like there at LSU with NIL? What does it look like? You know, I, I know I know that um, this past week the entire women's and, and men's basketball team just got an NIL deal with GameCoin, um, and then of course they held this conference where there was a panel and people asked questions and businesses came and. And then the day after this panel, you know, Scott Woodward announces that, hey, you can buy personalized football jerseys to the players who opt into the program, and they benefit from that. So my question is, and I'm genuinely curious, do you think LSU was ever behind in NIL? Uh, Did they have a little bit of a slower start, or is that just a false narrative? And how big of an impact do you think NIL is going to have on LSU sports in general? Yeah, look, I could be wrong again with what I'm about to say. I'm not sure as to what happened. Um, but I think a lot of what may have happened with LSU um, is they kind of thought that the NIL deal situation was going to be like what Scott Woodward announced with the jerseys. You know, 
the players can go and now beforehand, you know, if you were famous on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you know, you couldn't you couldn't profit off of deals. And now, okay, go ahead, you can go do that now. Um, if you'd like to sell your jersey, you know, with with the number and name on it, that'll make you some money, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's what LSU thought it was going to be because that's what it was intended to be. It was never, I don't think it was ever NIL was ever intended to be, okay, um, here's LSU football. LSU football can't directly pay um, Harold Perkins to come to LSU, but Brian Kelly will call Todd Graves and Todd Graves will offer him $100,000 a year. And that's how we'll get him here. You know, I don't think that was ever the intention with NIL, but I do think LSU was a little behind in not thinking ahead like Texas A&M, Alabama, places like that, who saw what it was going to become and saw that it was the Wild West um, and that it was just going to be free reign. Um, and they took advantage of it. It's it's not the way it's supposed to be, and there needs to be regulations. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, LSU and businesses around were kind of a little taken by surprise with that. And obviously, like you saw, they're scrambling to try to get, get back on pace with that. Um, because it's just like everybody has seen, everybody who follows college athletics is kind of out of control. Yeah, and I feel like <sighs> – like you said earlier, there's a passion in Louisiana for LSU sports and and Louisiana sports in general. Like no I, other, I feel like, and, and I feel like it's it's the passion in Louisiana for LSU is is almost uncomparable to, to some other places. Um, so I feel like there's going to be businesses that get behind this. There's going to be people that get behind this and, and do it right and, and and get players, you know what they need when it comes to NIL or, or what they want. And I mean, we see Gordon McKernan coming in and he's doing deals with people left and right, you know? Um, so it, it's, I, I honestly have no fear of when it comes to NIL. Um, Cause I feel like LSU is a brand for itself um, that there's going to be people who want to come to LSU regardless of NIL. And then there's going to be some people that do want NIL and there's going to be people that will provide for that so that we can capitalize on that. So the, the recruiting classes is now uh, completed for the 2022. We may get more transfers or not. We saw actually Colby Fields, I believe, is what it was, South Carolina linebacker transfer. How do you feel Brian Kelly has done with this class? Um, and y'all can both answer this. I'll, I'll give it to you first, Brandon, and then, Zach, you can answer. He has rebuilt this team with the transfer portal and he's also made some big splashes in high school, namely the biggest one on National Signing Day, Harold Perkins. What do y'all like about this class and, and what Brian Kelly has done in such a short amount of time? Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, uh, Brian Kelly, look, he made it clear that he's coming to change the culture. Um, and it's going to be tough at first. And certainly, you know, people were concerned, oh, he can't recruit South Louisiana, yada, yada. Well, more than anything, he's proven to you that he can um, and for a coaching change cycle to be combined with transfer portal and high school to be, I believe, six in the nation, um, it could be much worse. Um, you could be you could be a Florida who is last in the SEC behind Vanderbilt. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to take some time for that to for that to really settle in with Brian Kelly. Um, but it, it's coming. Um, and I think what you see on the field, you haven't gotten to see yet. The recruits haven't gotten to see yet. Um, and what you'll see on the field, I think, will recruit more than anything. And I think, you know, a big part of recruiting now is going to be NIL. Um, with certain guys like Harold Perkins, the money may not have mattered as much to him. Um, but to Jacoby Matthews, it might have mattered more. 
Um, and so it's just going to be, it's just, just going to be di very different um, than years past. Uh, it's a new era now. And I think Brian Kelly is going to adapt to it. Um, I will say that, you know, the people who, people are knocking on Brian Kelly, everybody's hating on him across the country because of dancing videos and whatever it may be. But the bottom line is he's got LSU's brand everywhere. Um, and it already was everywhere, but he's spreading it more and recruits like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that I, I, we're happy with it. And I think, you know, this year, are we going to be a national football, a national championship caliber team? Probably not. Um, but I, he's definitely got the team going in the right direction with this class. Yeah, Reagan, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is our first podcast back since, uh, the national signing day. And, and we discussed last podcast, you know, out of those, uh, I think it was six guys, you know, that we were expecting probably three, at the very least, two guys to come in and be a part of this class. Uh, and, and that's what you saw. You saw the cornerback, which I think is a huge, huge piece to LSU right now because you you definitely have depth issues uh, in the cornerback room. And so adding him was a huge piece. Obviously, when you get the highest rated remaining player uh, in, in, in the 247 top 100, it's a great day. It's a great day. Now, a lot of LSU fans, you know, they're going to be upset about losing Jacoby. They're going to be upset about losing Danny. But Brian Kelly took this recruiting class from in the 40s to now, when you look at the overall composite, they are the number six class in the nation. And that is the best class in a transition year since 2003. And so that all is props to Brian Kelly and this coach and staff that he has brought on. It's huge. Now, if you want to look at the downside, I think the biggest downside was losing Danny Lewis. I think you needed a guy like Danny Lewis in this class because you're pretty thin at tight end right now. And we know that bringing in Mike Denbrock and, and Brian Kelly, his offense, both those guys, you know, as I mentioned last podcast, they, they like to run two tight end sets sometimes. And so I think that's going to be important. I think they're definitely going to go out and try and get another tight end in the transfer portal before it's all said and done. So if you want, if you want to, as an LSU fan, if you want to take a look at a negative, I think Danny Lewis is the biggest hit. I know there was a lot of drama, a lot of just craziness that went on leading up to Jacoby Matthews' final announcement. But to me personally, I think that was the biggest hit because I still think you have a lot of guys that are in the safety room that are going to be able to put in a lot of uh, really good playing time. And and so I, I'm excited still about this recruiting class. And guess what? It's not over. We still have spots left. As you mentioned, Reagan, we just – Heard a few minutes ago before we started this podcast that Colby Fields is going to be joining the linebacker room, and, and that's another area that you need you needed some guys, and so that's a huge, huge pickup there. I think they're still going to go get out and get a quarterback. We've mentioned that, and I think you're going to go get a tight end. We'll see uh, what's left for Brian Kelly. What's uh, what's left up his sleeve? But I'm looking forward to seeing how they finish out this class, Reagan. Yeah, overall, I, I mean. How could you be upset with what he's done, right? I mean, he knew what he needed to do, and he did it, right? I mean, he had to build this team back. I mean, Lord of mercy, we, we were in shambles in, in the in the Texas Bowl. Our roster was absolutely depleted, and we had to fill this team, and he did it. You know, he went and got in the portal, and he's gotten guys who have major experience, who are plug-and-play guys, who have power football, power five football experience, SEC football experience, you know, we got a corner from Oklahoma State who's who started forty plus games in a row 
and was all Big 12 first defense, you know, last year in Jarek Bernard Converse. Uh, so I, I I don't know if you could have done any better. I, I mean, in all honesty, if you, if you look through the lens of reality, like in a transition year, you know, people think, you know, well, LSU should, you know, should have the greatest recruiting class, you know, every single year. In a transition year to have transfers in high school put together, you land a top 10 class is pretty incredible considering he's only been here. He's been here less than two months and he's put together a top 10 class for LSU. I mean, that's incredible. Um, and if you look at high school alone, he's, he's number 12 in the country. If you take the transfers away, you're, you're 12 in the country. I mean, dude, there's people in the SEC. They can't scratch that. I, I mean, like people like Mississippi state and Vanderbilt and, 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 and some, some other teams, they can't even scratch the top 15 and they've had a coach, you know, they'll have a coach there for however long, however many years. And they can't even get to that. I mean, he's been there for two months and he did it. It's pretty impressive. Um, so overall, I think it's a, it's, you know, majority positive when it comes to what he did in this, this class. And I, I'm excited to see the new culture around uh, LSU football with Brian Kelly a more structured, organized, vision-focused um, program that that that's not going to have off-field issues, uh, as we've seen in, in maybe in the past few uh, coaches. So, not only is the exciting, we, are we excited? You know about this recruiting class coming in. Look, we're really excited about this baseball team and this new coach, Jay Johnson. Look. Jay Johnson was not the number one pick when it came to the coaching hire. I, I mean, he may have not been the third, fourth pick. Some some LSU fans may have not even known who Jay Johnson was. But this man has come in here, and he's taken the baseball program by storm. And we think, Brian, you know, Brian Kelly did a great job with his recruiting class. This man just came in here and put up a recruit, the number one recruiting class in the country when it came to baseball. And, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the recruiting class that he just landed, Jay Johnson did, was leaps and bounds above everybody. Um, extremely impressive. And you see some of the stuff with social media. They've released some of his audio at practices. You know, they did the reboot series uh, for the baseball team. Dude, I, I'm super pumped about this team. We've seen some of the players he's pulled in, like from Arizona. He brought with him Jacob Berry and Riley Cooper. We've seen transfers like Tyler McManus that, and Braden Joe Bear that look like they're going to be immediate impact players. And then, dude, you're returning Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, Kay Doty, Gavin Dugas, Jordan Thompson. I mean, and then you add Jacob Berry and players like that to them. This is going to be a really exciting season. So, Zach, if you'll give me your thoughts on, on what you're, you know, what we're looking forward to in this baseball season, and then, Brandon, if you'll follow up. Uh, on maybe what this is going to look like for the balcony Bengals, how they're going to, how are y'all going to play a role when it comes to baseball season, and and what y'all are looking forward to? Yeah, Reagan, as you mentioned, dude, I man, I'm super super pumped. I, a lot a lot of hype is building around this baseball team, um, and and as it should be, as it should be, this team is full of of, of top prospects. When it comes to in regards to the MLB draft, you know when when you look at a lineup, I know we 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 mentioned this maybe a few podcasts ago, maybe near when we first started. But if you just want to look at the lineup, I think over at third base you're going to have Jacob Berry. I think Jordan Thompson is going to be at short. 
You're going to have K. Doty at second. Now, here's what's interesting, Reagan. We're hearing that potentially Trey Morgan is going to be an outfield sum, which is which is very interesting because if you've been following uh, social media here recently, um, Trey Morgan was labeled as the number one first baseman in college baseball. So to take him out of first base and put him in outfield, it's quite interesting. Here's what I believe, though. As we all know, Jay Johnson, he he wants to hit, and he wants to score a lot of runs. And, and in order to do that, you've got to do some shifting in your lineup in order to have your best bats in the lineup. And from what we have heard, Cade Beloso has blown up over this fall. And he, he's changed his hitting. Jay Johnson's been able to work with him. And they're potentially talking about putting him at first and moving Trey Morgan to the outfield. Now, that doesn't mean that Trey Morgan is going to be in the outfield permanently. I don't think you can just take Trey Morgan off of first base with his skill and with his talent. You're going to see Trey Morgan at first base this year for sure. But I think that's interesting uh, that we may potentially see that lineup with K. Beloso at first. I think Tyler McManus is going to be behind the plate. You've seen him blow up. Uh, as well over the fall. Cruz is going to be in, in center, and then you're going to have Dugas in left. And right field's kind of the question mark. Is it going to be, you know, Trey Morgan? Is it going to be Joe Bear? Is it going to be uh, Dross? Is, I mean, there's so many different guys that could be out there in right field. So I think that's the biggest question mark. When it comes to regards to pitching, you know, you're going to see Devin Fontenot, guys like Javon Coleman, uh, Ty Floyd, Mikel Hilliard battle it out for the starting spots. Uh, in the weekend rotation. I'm really excited about that. If you have to bring up a question mark, I think it is the pitching staff. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of arms and a lot of solid arms that are that are on this uh, pitching staff, but uh, they've got to find where these guys are going to play, what their roles are going to be. You've got a lot of guys. Now what are we going to do with them? Uh, so I think that's the biggest question mark. But this team, they're going to hit. They're going to hit. I don't know if y'all follow the LSU – baseball data uh, on Twitter, but they've been hosting scrimmages here this weekend and dudes have been hitting bombs. Kay Beloso, uh, 39 minutes ago, he hit a bomb <laughs> and they recorded it on the LSU baseball data. Jacob Berry hit one today. Uh, Giovanni led off today's scrimmage with a home run. I mean, this team is going to hit. Now, we're not going to be like going back to the gorilla ball days, I don't, I don't think, because, you know, a lot of things have changed since then. The baseballs have changed. The bats have changed. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to go that far. But this team is going to hit, and it's going to be very exciting for LSU fans to watch because, man, when, when you're watching a baseball team that's scoring a lot of runs, it just makes the game so much more exciting. And so I'm looking forward to it. And, Brandon, I'm guessing, you know, the Balcony Bengals, maybe they'll be over in the left field lounge. Yeah, man, we're excited for it. Um we're not exactly sure what our um, how we're going to approach um, as far as seating-wise at baseball. We may sit in the student section in right field. Uh, I know we've talked to Mikey Matuk about talking to Jay Johnson and getting maybe a standing room-only section, um, something of that nature. Uh, we're not sure exactly uh, how that's going to work out, but we'll feel that out as we go. But the bottom line is we're going to be there. Uh, I'd say, you know, for my lineup um, – Right now, I, I think, you know, at first base, Trey Morgan, you mentioned. Um, I, Jay Johnson did mention he's going to play them, play him early in the outfield, um, which I think, you know, that is to give him some utility. You know, that way, if a guy like Beloso is hot, he can he can have For him sure. swing it. 
and play first. But I, I think it's hard to take Trey Morgan off of first base. Uh, the dude is – there's not a guy who plays first base like him that I've seen. There's not many guys who use all four corners of first base to play first. He's too athletic. Uh, that, too athletic. Yeah. I mean, he saves games single-handedly. Um, and that was just as a freshman. Not to mention he hit over 400 in the SEC last year against Oof. a loaded SEC pitching staff. 400 in the SEC. That is absurd. Um, and I think Jordan Thompson, you know, Jay Johnson over there, sure, Jordan Thompson, I think, you know, he said he's come a long way in the in the, um, in the the offseason. I think that's a big, a big part, a big step up is from your freshman to sophomore year. Um, but, again, he's going to make freakish plays over there. I think, like you said, Jacob Berry, maybe at third base. Um, I also think uh, what's – I'm forgetting that guy's name over the guy who transferred from LSUE. He's a third baseman. They do say that Jacob Berry's uh, defensive play is a little shaky at times, so don't be, don't be shocked if you see him in the DH role. Is it Merrifield? Um, he's going to be in the lineup one way or the other. Merrifield, Jack Merrifield, yes. Uh, went, went from Dutchtown. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him in the lineup, but I'm not sure. And then I think uh, – Doty over there at second, probably a lock there, maybe get some time at third. And like you said, Dugas in the left. Um, Cruz in center, which I, I think defensively Cruz needs to improve as an outfielder. Um, it's definitely not his strong suit. But then in right field, uh, like you said, maybe Trey Morgan. Um, but don't sleep on a guy, Josh Pearson, um, a freshman coming in this year. Yep. Um, in, the Florida, in the Florida Summer League, uh, I have some stats pulled up here. Uh, he was fourth – as a freshman going up against all classes, he was fourth in the league in batting average, second in the league in home runs. He batted three thirty three, second in the league in home runs with four, and first in the Florida league in doubles, 10, and also first with extra base hits, 14, um, and was named the league MVP as a freshman. Um, that's a guy who, you know, he's not going to be physically intimidating, um, a smaller guy, but he can swing it. Um, and maybe Brody Drost in right field as well. You know, I, I just think it depends. Uh, what the situation behind the dish? I think it's he's, uh, Jay Johnson has said Malazzo is the most improved player on the team, which I mean that's what you needed from a guy like him. Uh, but like you said, Tyler McManus, man, he's been he's been really hot. Yeah, man. So I, I'm excited to see what y'all what y'all work out with that. Um, I'm, I'm sure y'all play a big role when it comes to students being there and whatnot. Um, I, I we we all understand, you know, y'all's lineups with those guys. I think one guy to talk something a little bit different in pitching that's going to make a huge difference this year is the new transfer, Eric Reiselman. Um, I think he's going to play a pretty big role um, in, in whatever rotation we may have, whatever role he's going to be. He, he's put up some some pretty good numbers uh, in his summer league this past year as well, and he kind of popped. Uh, and I think he may he might fight for a position in, in the – Weekend rotation. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I really want to see Mikael Hilliard uh, just have an incredible year. Um, I, I love Mikael. I love his story. You know, his dad just passed away this this last season. You know, you want to have a guy like that who's a returning fifth year senior. Him and, and and Devin Fano to have an incredible year to go out on a high note. But specifically Mikael, just because of what he just dealt with with his dad. And man, when 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 Maneri put him in the starting role at the end of the year, there it just felt like he was comfortable. And and man, that curveball is something nasty. Uh, I, I love six. watching his curveball; it's incredible. Um, so I'm 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 right there with y'all. This is going to be an exciting year. 
for for LSU baseball. And it's like it's the first year for Jay Johnson, and and like there's Omaha expectations already uh, for this kind of lineup. So I'm pumped about that. There, there seems to be some reju- rejuvenation uh, about the program. Not that Palmineri was 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 um, failing the program by any means, but it feels like there's some youthfulness to the program. And I'm excited uh, about what we're going to see this this spring on the diamond for the LSU Tigers. So why don't y'all go ahead and tell our listeners where they can go and copy your, your new merch. I, I know y'all just released the hoodie uh, today even. Yeah, so uh, for, our, for our general merch, you know, the traditional logo here, hoodies, T-shirts, stuff like that, you can go to Fred's website. The link is in our bio and Twitter and Instagram, I believe. We benefit from all the profits from that. Today, actually, we just released a new uh, design, I should say, where the, it's the traditional balcony Bengals, but the balcony is purple and gold, and then Bengals is black and orange. Uh, it's Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. If you're interested, you know, go look on our Twitter page. Shoot us a DM. Um, we're putting together a new pre-order there. But, man, uh, just my kind of closing statement, I guess I'd like to say, uh, more than anything, anybody listening, you know, we don't want anybody, students especially, to think that, you know, we're exclusive or, you know, we get all these special things, yada, yada. Man, we don't want to steal anything from anybody else. We want people to come and join us in the student section, join us in getting on the camera, join us in, you know, cheering for the Tigers and yelling whatever you may want at the opposing bench. You know, we don't want anybody to look at us and say, oh, those guys think they're cooler than us. No, we're not. We're just like everybody else. We're just like every other college student. Um, and the coolest thing about it all really is probably the students being able to come to us and, you know, just come chill with us, man. You know, when football season rolls around, come walk by the balcony, grab a beer, you know, whatever it may be, you know, come by, have a good time um, and join us in cheering for the Tigers. We don't want there to be any. We want there to be one group, one student section cheering for the Tigers, not the balcony Bengals and then somebody else, you know. Um, that's my biggest thing. And, you know, like you, like you said, uh, I'm excited for March Madness and I'm excited for uh, baseball season right around the corner. Absolutely. Hey, Brandon, we really appreciate you joining uh, and, and giving us all of your insight and telling us more about the Balcony Bengals and who y'all are. Um, so, yeah, all students, come be the Balcony Bengals with the Balcony Bengals. Um, make the atmosphere incredible in all LSU athletics and all sports. Um, we, we all love the Tigers, and we're here to support the Purple and Gold all day long. Hey, we appreciate y'all listening and supporting us. Go follow the Balcony Bengals at Balcony Bengals on all their social media platforms. Go follow us on Twitter at Tigers Avenue Pod. We'll catch you next time in episode 19 in the Tigers Avenue. Peace. Who that, who that, five stone? And the LSU Tigers, LSU Tigers.